I love to study the book of Revelation for many reasons. One of the reasons is it is a book that really gives us a lot of information about our future home. Let me ask you, where are you going to be in a hundred years? Where are you going to be in a hundred years? It's a good bet, unless there's some really great advances in science that I don't know about that are coming, that we won't be here, right? And we're going to be somewhere. Our body will be probably in the grave. But the body only contains our soul and who we really are. At death, there's a separation between the body and the soul, and the soul continues to live and, um, until the reuniting of the body and the soul. And our soul will be at death, separated from our body, and our soul has a destination. A hundred years from now, where will you be? Well, let's look at heaven. I hope we're all going to be in heaven. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. This is just one of those glimpses in heaven that the book of Revelation gives us. This is John writing. And John said, And he, that is an angel, who's given him a tour of heaven, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of its street, and on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there was no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face. And his name shall be on their foreheads, and there will be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them the light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Tonight I want to answer some questions about heaven. We all have questions about heaven. Now sometimes we don't think about heaven as much as we need to. It's kind of interesting uh, speaking of slave days, you know, the slaves, many of them did come to faith in Christ. And they wrote a lot of songs. And we sing still to this day a lot of the songs were, that were produced by slaves while they were in slavery that speak of their hope of Christ and their hope in Christ. And it's interesting that a lot of the themes of those slave songs that have survived, almost all of them, Look toward heaven. Now, why is that true? Because at that time, their conditions on earth were really bad. They were looking for a better place. They were looking for a place of promise. One of the reasons why modern Christians, especially in America, really don't think about heaven, talk about heaven, long for heaven, look forward to heaven, uh, have heaven on their mind is that our current condition in this world is pretty good. We have all the food we need. We're relatively free. We are prosperous. Uh, we are blessed. Our life now is pretty good. We're not looking for a better life because life now is pretty good. Um, but if life now wasn't so good, we'd, 
It's, uh, I heard Billy Graham uh, one time say that in his travels in impoverished nations, third world countries, impoverished nations, when he gets together with believers in impoverished nations, one of the great themes of their preaching and of their songs and of their studies is all about heaven because their current condition is not good. So they're looking for a better place. Heaven is a better place. And the Bible does give us some descriptions of heaven. It doesn't tell us everything that we want to know about heaven. But it tells us enough, enough to know that we all want to go there. Amen? So in the last chapters of Revelation, here's what is described for us. What is being described for us in these verses and in the verses that follow is what is described or called the new heaven and the new earth. Now, these words describe the final installment, if you will, of heaven. When God created all that there is, there was no separation between heaven and earth. Heaven and earth were one and the same. God would often come to earth and walk in the cool of the day and fellowship with Adam and Eve. And so there was no heaven up there where God is and earth down here where we are. Everything was equal. Everything was, there was a blend and, and uh, heaven and earth, there was no separation between the two. But when sin happened, a lot of things happened. Creation fell. And one of the things that happened is there's a separation. A separation occurred between heaven and earth. No longer did God come to earth to walk upon the earth. It was a fallen place. And so heaven and the earth was separated. And that's the way it is today. Now, you know, what dimension? Uh, heaven is in the spiritual dimension. The Bible always describes heaven as being north or up. Uh, whereas heaven, you know, it's either north or up. Now, that probably describes a spiritual dimension, the third heaven, which we cannot see and, um, and all of that. But there is a separation now between heaven and earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Jesus taught us to pray. Now, this separation will continue to the millennial reign. It will continue. But once again, in the new heaven and the new earth, heaven and earth will be joined together again. And in this final installment of heaven, there'll be no separation between heaven and earth. Heaven, if you will, will encompass all of creation. That's the final installment. That's after the millennial reign of Christ. At the end of human history as we know it, God is, first of all, during the millennial reign, He's going to renovate this present earth. He's going to clean it up, and He's going to return it to what it was at the time of creation. And He's going to rule during the millennial reign on this earth. He will renovate, if you will, this earth. But when the new heaven and the new earth comes, He's going to replace this earth. And there'll be a replacement of the relationship of earth to heaven. It's kind of like, okay, you have a house and you like this house, so you renovate the house. 
You don't tear the house down. You just renovate the house. You make it look nice. And you return it to what it once was. Because of the wear and tear, it's kind of you know, gone down. So you return it to what it once was. You renovate it to its former condition. But then you decide you want to build a new house. But you like your old house. So you go up on the hill and you build a completely new house based on the plans of the old house. The new heaven and the new earth will be a new entity. But it will be based on the plans of the earth and creation that God, that we currently live in. It will bear the image of that. It will be a new heaven and a new earth. Tonight, I want to answer some questions about heaven. Everybody, you know, they, they want to know. Now, some questions about heaven that we want to know are answered in the Bible. Some of them are not directly addressed in the Bible. Some you have to just kind of take evidence that you can find in the Bible and try to understand about heaven. So, you may have other questions, but I jotted these questions down, and I'm going to try to answer them. Here's a question that I am often asked about heaven. Will we know each other in heaven? Will we recognize one another? Will our former relationships that we had on earth, will they continue in heaven? Will sons know their fathers? Will wives know their, uh, their husbands? Uh, will we know one another? Will we recognize one another? Will we bear semblance to what we were when we were in this world? Will we know each other in heaven? And will we remember, will our relationships be retained? And the answer, I believe, to that question and those questions is yes. We will know one another in heaven. Death does not destroy our earthly identity. Death does not obliterate us. By the way, when you go to heaven, you're not going to be an angel. I'm sorry. You were looking forward to your wings, right? When you go to heaven, you're not going to have wings, okay? You're not. Human beings do not become angels in heaven. Angels are angels. Human beings continue to be human beings in heaven. When we go to heaven, death does not destroy our earthly identity, and death does not erase all of our earthly memories. Let me give you some evidence for that. In 1 Samuel 28, Samuel has died, and Saul's in trouble. He's surrounded by the Philistines. His army is deserting him. He reads the handwriting on the wall. He knows the end has come. And God has forsaken Saul because of Saul's sin. And Saul needs help. And so he finds a witch. Now, that's a whole other sermon, so I'm not going to get into that. But he went to the witch of Endor. And he told the witch. And see, he had given a command to kill and eradicate the witches, but they found one that was left. He went to the witch of Endor, and he, he said, I, want, I need to talk to Saul. And she knew something was up, and then she recognized Saul. And, said, and she said, you're just trying to trap me to kill me. He said, no, if you have the power and if you have the ability, I need you to call up Samuel so that I can talk to him. Well, the witch of Endor did whatever she did, and to her surprise... Samuel did come. She didn't expect it because she knew she was a fake and a fraud. 
And so she went through her ritual, whatever, whatever she said, incantation or whatever she said. And lo and behold, to her great surprise and shock, there was Samuel. And Samuel came back. And Samuel said to Saul, Son, I'm resting. What in the world are you disturbing me for? What do you want? Saul told him, I'm in trouble. Samuel said, I'm sorry, Saul, but tomorrow you're going to be where I am. Now, here's the point. Even after death, Samuel was still Samuel. He was recognized as Samuel. Death did not obliterate his identity. Long after they died, Jesus was on a mountain at a critical time in his relationship with the disciples. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. And while Jesus was on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, all of a sudden his inner deity, his Shekinah glory that had been covered and veiled by his humanity, the Shekinah glory of of God himself shone through his inner uh, 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 godliness, shone through in a a great display of of his uh, true identity and who he really was. And then Moses and Elijah, they had died centuries before. Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus. And they were talking, uh, Jesus and Moses and Elijah were talking about his demise to come, his death to come. Peter, James, and John saw this. And somehow Peter and James and John intuitively knew it was Moses and Elijah. They didn't have photographs. They didn't have any kind of photographic, you know, record. I don't know how they knew it, but they they knew it. And then Peter did what he did, and you know the story. But here's the point. Long after they had died, long after they had been in glory, as we count time on earth, after they had been in glory, Moses was still Moses, and Elijah was still Elijah. Death had not obliterated their identity. Even after his death and resurrection, Jesus was still Jesus. He had the same identity. He had the same physical body, now glorified. He had the same physical appearance. He had the same name. And in Luke 24, 39, after his resurrection, Jesus told his disciples, do not be afraid. It is I myself. Death does not obliterate our earthly identity. The Bible says that when you were saved, your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. What name? Your earthly name, which represents your earthly identity. If you're saved, Your name is already in heaven. There's already a home ready for you in heaven. Your name is already there. And by the way, there's no force on the face of the earth that can erase your name from the Lamb's Book of Life. Once your name is put there, it's permanent. You could have it like this or think about it like this. You make a reservation, right? You go on vacation. You make a reservation. And you get there to the front desk. And you have the full confidence that everything is taken care of. And you say, I have a reservation in my name. And they look it up and there it is. Have you ever had a situation where you made a reservation and they can't find your name? And no record of it? 
I've never had that. I hope none of you have ever had that because, you know, you're all excited and you've got this anticipation and you think you've done everything you need to do, but then the reservation's not there. We have a reservation in heaven. Have you ever thought about that? The day you were saved, your name. Now, is there really a book in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life? Well, I tend to take whatever the Bible says literally unless I can discover it's symbolic. So I don't know if there's actually a leather-bound book up there, but I just take it for what Jesus means. When I was saved, my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that was a record of my salvation. Chris Hall is written somewhere in glory. And that name represents my earthly identity. In heaven, our earthly identities will continue. Who you are on earth will be who you are in heaven. Not only that, we will remember our earthly relationships. Yes, our loved ones who are in the Lord, we will remember our relationship to them that when we were on the, in the earth. The Bible says that the Old Testament saints, when the Old Testament, many of them died, they were gathered to their fathers in death. So-and-so died, and he was gathered to his fathers. That is a reference to a reunion in heaven with the saved loved ones, their saved loved ones who had died before them. If our parents, our spouse, our children, our friends are in heaven, we will know them. We will remember our relationship with them in this world. And we will be able to fellowship with them uh, and, and, and know that we had that relationship with them in this world. So people say, well, will I, will I know my wife in heaven? Well, certainly you will. And so... Um, you know, who you, are, who you are here is who you're going to be in heaven. Second of all, here's another question. Will I remember family and friends who don't make it to heaven? Many people have loved ones who most probably have died without receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Here's the question. How can I enjoy heaven? knowing that I have, had a, I have a loved one who is not there. How can I possibly enjoy heaven knowing that my daddy's not there or my mom's not there or my child's not there or my son's not there or my daughter's not there or my loved one is not there? Well, the Bible doesn't directly answer this question. But it does give us, I think, some hints as to how this will be handled by God. It could be. The Bible says on a couple of occasions that God will wipe away the tears of those who are in heaven. We're going to, you know, we're, we go through a lot in this whole world. In this world, we have tears. We have experiences that are hard and distressing and difficult. And we go through a lot. And tears are a part of the human experience. There's tears of sadness. There's even tears of joy. <laughs> but there's tears of sadness. There are tears of separation. There are tears of regret. And when we initially go to heaven and there's a review of our life, 
and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and our life is evaluated, I don't know. Initially, I think there's going to be some tears, all kinds of different kinds for different reasons. But heaven is a place of comfort and peace. And this, think about this. Do you remember when you cried and your mama wiped away your tears? Now think about this. What, for whatever reason you have tears in heaven, think about the gentle hand of Almighty God lovingly and caringly wiping away your tears. Isn't that wonderful? The kindness, the comfort, the compassion of a loving Heavenly Father who loves us so much He gave His only begotten Son for us. As our life is reviewed, as we have regret that we didn't serve Him the way we should have served Him. A lot of these tears are going to be tears of regret. Why didn't I pray more? Why didn't I give more? Why didn't I serve more? Why didn't I do more? I could have done so much more. And God will comfort us. He Himself will wipe away our tears. It could be when He wipes away our tears, He will also wipe away the memory of our lost loved ones and friends from our minds. It could be that as He wipes away those tears, the memory of those who are not in heaven will be wiped away as well. Now, the Bible gives us a couple of hints to this. Deuteronomy 25, 19. The Bible says, Thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. A promise. That Amalek, an enemy of God, an enemy of God's people. There was going to come a day when God would erase the memory of Amalek. Psalm 9, 5. Thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. The word put out means literally to erase. God has erased their name forever. It could be in heaven. That as God wipes away our tears, so will the memory of our lost loved ones who are not in heaven with us. I have loved ones who are not saved. I mean people I love and people who are very close to me. Do you know almost every day I pray for them? And I have been praying for some of them for decades. And i got to be honest with you, it doesn't seem like they're any closer to giving their life to Christ today than at any time in their life. I have some that I care about and they're in such deep spiritual darkness and rebellion and rejection. And I love them. And I've witnessed to them before and I pray for them every single day. And I have this faith there's going to come a day when I get a phone call from them and they're going to tell me, Brother, I've gotten saved. I've given my life to Christ. Because I have assaulted the bars and the doors of heaven with my request for their salvation. I want them to be saved. Don't you? Don't you want your loved ones to go to heaven? I hope you got a list somewhere in your prayer list of loved ones you know. Now, we ought to pray for everybody, friends, coworkers. People we know, people we don't know. But I think there ought to be a special list for loved ones we know who are not saved. And they need to be saved. S-A-V-E-D. Saved. How we need to pray for them. Because I want all of my loved ones to be in heaven. I want to be able to 
to boss my brothers around for all eternity. Right? My sister, tell them all what to do. And I want all my friends, I want all, every church member I've ever pastored to be in heaven. I want all y'all there. I tell you what, we'll have our own little corner of heaven. We'll call it Whitewater Square. How about that? Now, one of the things about heaven is this. You know, people today, they, they put God on trial. And they're constantly saying how unjust God is. God is not a just God. And if I were God, I would do this. As if God is not doing what He ought to be doing. And, and people today are constantly putting God on trial. Well, here's what's going to happen. In heaven, we are going to clearly see that God has revealed Himself to each and every person who has ever lived. There will be no question in heaven about the justice of God. We will see that God gave each and every person a clear witness of Himself. And if they had followed the witness God gave them, they would have come to know Him. And they would have been saved by grace. In heaven, no one's, no one will question the fairness and the justice and the rightness of Almighty God. We live in a world that's constantly putting God on trial and hating God and accusing God and attacking God. The Bible says, in glory, every mouth will be stopped at the judgment of God. Every big mouth will be shut up when God's rightness, His justice, His glory, and who He is is put on full display. In heaven, God's mercy and grace in saving us when we didn't deserve it will be magnified. In heaven, we will see that God's judgment of the lost, even if they were our own loved ones, is a just Judgment. People say, well, if I'm going to stand before God, man, when I stand before God, I'm going to ask Him this. I'm going to tell Him that. Are you kidding me? When we stand before God, we will be consumed with His power, with His glory. The full spectrum of who God is will be on display, and every mouth will be shut. There's a lot of things about God I don't understand. And I ask God sometimes. You know, and I give God advice. Do y'all ever give God? Y'all ever give God advice? And I, you know, I say, well, God, you know, why don't we do it this way? <laughs> and you know, I don't do it out of rebellion or anything like that. But I want to know: is that okay? My my little children. I used to be doing stuff, and my boys would say, "What you doing?" And I'd go, oh, "I'm doing this." Why are you doing that? Well, it it needs to be done. How are you doing it? You know, and all those questions. Well, I tried to be patient, as patient as I could, as, as I was doing it, because they wanted to know. Well, I'm a child of God, and there's a lot of things God is doing. I want to know. Don't y'all? I want to know. I want to know why stuff is happening in the world the way it's happening. And so I asked God, help me to understand this. And I don't do it. My, my kids were not being rebellious. They were just wanting to know. I, there's the things about God I want to know. But I do know this. 
while I question sometimes what's happening in the world, I never question God's love. I never question his fairness. I never question his justice. I will not question God because I know one day all things will be made clear. And the only response I will have is to give him glory and honor. Amen? And so, you know, it could be that God will wipe away the memory of our loved ones. Here's another question. What age will we be in heaven? Ever have thought about that? What age are we going to look like? Now, I've been studying on this. I think the perfect age is 61. <laughs> going on 62. <laughs> now, again, the Bible doesn't answer this question, but it's kind of fun to think about it. Some have suggested that we're going to look like we did when we are 33. Why? Because that's the human age of Jesus when he was resurrected. He, he, that's what his body, the age that he body, his body looked like when he came out of the grave. And so the conjecture is when we're in heaven, we'll all look like we did when we were 33. I'm a little disappointed in that because I was already bald at 33. You know, others suggest, now this is a little scientifical, others suggest, and I found this, and I don't know anything about this, that because our DNA is programmed in such a way that we as humans reach our optimal development from a functional perspective, y'all getting this down? When we're in our 20s or 30s, that's the age that we will appear like when our bodies are resurrected? I don't know. I'm going to leave that up to God. How about y'all? And, um, but what about preborn babies? What about babies who have passed away? What about infants and saved children and teenagers who die in those ages? Here's, here's hallology. This has no grounding in any kind of, you know, biblical fact. This is just my conjecture. I think children who die in heaven, I think they're going to be allowed to grow up or have been allowed to grow up in heaven until they reach the optimal age, appearance, whatever God decides for that to be. Randy Alcorn has written a wonderful book on heaven. If you ever want to, you know, Bible is our main information, uh, source of information about heaven. But if you ever want a book that really uh, uh, does a lot of good uh, understanding of what the Bible teaches about heaven. The, the title of the book is Heaven by Randy Alcorn. He believes this. The children who die will be cared for by God, and if their parents are saved, when their parents get to heaven, the parents will have the joy of seeing their child grow up in heaven. They didn't have that on earth but they'll have it in heaven. I don't know. I just, I, you know, I don't know about all this stuff. But here's what I know. God's going to take care of it. Amen? Here's another question. What language will we speak in heaven? And again, the Bible doesn't say. Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe. Listen, out of every tribe and tongue and people 
and nation. What language will we speak in heaven? Most probably, we will speak the language we learned on earth. But we will be able to understand every language that is spoken in heaven. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to speak redneck South Georgian. And people in China will be able to understand us. You know, from China. And the Chinese will speak Chinese and we'll be able to understand them. That's just my conjecture. Um, but, and, the, and he, he, Paul alluded to the tongues of angels. Remember that? Tongues of angels and men. 1 Corinthians 13. It could be that there's a heavenly language that God gives us. I don't know. It's interesting to speculate about. See, here's the thing though. Whatever it is, Whatever it is, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be glorious. And it's going to be wonderful. Another question I'm often asked is, what will we do in heaven? I had a kid ask me one time, he said, Brother Chris, is heaven going to be like one long church service? (laughs) And he kind of asked it like that, you know. Really? Is that what heaven is going to be like? Well, listen. No, people think heaven's going to be boring. And I just, I shake my head. Listen. This world is boring. You hadn't seen excitement yet until you go to glory. You know, our assumption is earth is where it's happening. We have all of this excitement and stuff and all of this kind of stuff. Compared to heaven, earth ain't nothing. Nothing. In heaven, we're going to grow. Now, in heaven, we'll have perfect bodies and we'll have perfect minds. Right now, you only use a small percentage of the ability of your brain. We all do. We only use a very small percentage. Most of the capacity of our brain to function and to work lies dormant and unused. Some more than others, but you know, it kind of like it's it's kind of like it's not working. We only use a very small uh, function of our brain. Imagine when you get to heaven, when all of your brain is working at full capacity, and your body is absolutely perfect in every way. Hebrews says, and uh, calls heaven the assembly of those who are made. Perfect. So what are we going to do in heaven? We're going to learn. You say, well, I've, if I'm perfect, well, I know everything. No. But you will have the capacity to learn for all eternity. In heaven, we will constantly be exploring the greatness and the glory of God. Whatever you think you know about God is a drop compared to the ocean of who He really is. And for all eternity, we will explore all of the aspects of His greatness and of His glory. We will explore His creation. And we will learn. There will be new vistas and new understandings and new comprehensions for all eternity. God is limitless than who He is. You'll never fully understand God when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. It'll be as if we've just begun. 
to love Him and to worship Him. And so we'll learn. Don't you love to learn? I like to learn. And we're going to be learning. We're going to be studying, learning. We're going to be working. We'll have assignments. We'll have jobs. And you'll never get tired. We'll work. We'll fellowship. We'll explore. We'll visit. We'll visit one another. We'll sit around and drink heavenly mocha chaka loca, whatever that stuff is. And we'll play. And we'll do it all for the glory of God. The very glory of God will be the atmosphere in which we breathe. We will eat in heaven. The Bible indicates that. Now, we won't eat because we have to. And we won't eat because we need to. We'll eat because we want to. We enjoy, God created human beings. We enjoy eating, right? Man, you love to go to the fish place. Why? You enjoy the fellowship and you enjoy the food. And in heaven, it's going to be the same thing. I don't know what's on the menu in heaven, but it's got to be good when you got angels cooking it. Amen? It's got to be good. We will eat and we will sleep. You know, you'll sleep in heaven. There'll be a time when you want to take a nap. Sleep is good, isn't it? Amen? Isn't it sleep good just to snuggle down and get you a good old Sunday afternoon nap like Brother Chris does? Me and Pat... Brother Pat, we have a contest every Sunday to see who gets the best nap. I think he beat me today. Sleep is good, and we'll just rest. I mean, we'll do these things for the joy of it. We'll be able to to transport ourselves. Jesus went through a locked door. We'll be able to fly. We'll be able to explore. Boring Are you kidding me? To quote Uncle Jesse from the Dukes of Hazzard, that's ignorant. (laughs) Heaven's not going to be boring. This world is boring. Heaven's going to be glorious in our pursuits. And yes, we will worship God. We will worship God in all that we do. There will be many times of just spontaneous worship to the king. You'll be working with your heavenly carrots and your heavenly garden. And you'll look at the heavenly sunshine and you'll just stand up and praise the Lord in a moment of spontaneous worship. There will be assemblies, we know, in heaven of great worship services in the heaven. We studied the book of Revelation, you know, and we found that there were different choirs. There were the choirs of, of creation. There, were the choir, there was even a choir of preachers. Now, I can't imagine that, but... Even the choirs of angels and the choirs of Israelites who are saved and Jews who are saved. There's going to be great times of worship. No one will need to be begged, threatened, or shamed into worshiping God in heaven. When you see God for who He really is, you will constantly overflow in gratitude and praise for Him. Yeah, we're going to worship. We're going to study. We're going to fellowship. We're going to play golf. And I hope there's no rough in heaven. Go fishing. You know? Heaven's, heaven's a marvelous, wonderful place. And it's now the center of heaven is Jesus. People talk about heaven. If they don't talk about Jesus, then they're not talking about heaven. What makes heaven heaven is Jesus. If you take Jesus out of heaven, heaven is no longer heaven. 
the first one we'll want to see. I can, and I've told you this before, I can imagine, you know, the heavenly announcement is made that Brother Chris has arrived and Lamar and Lucille Hall have been notified that their sweet favorite son is entering in gate number 14 just off of Pearly Street Road. And he's coming in. They run down. And I can hear my mama now, Chrissy! Now, she can call me that. Y'all can't. Chrissy! And my dad, you know, that, that World War II veteran. Hey, son. <laughs> and they welcome me. And I, I want to talk with them and, and visit with my loved ones there. And I can hear them now. Now, we got, time. We got all eternity for that, son. We got to show you something. And they take me by the hand. And they lead me down this street, the Pearly Road, Golden Street, Silver Avenue, Diamond Road, to Hallelujah Square. And they'll take me up. And there'll be a throne in Hallelujah Square. And my daddy will say, son, there he is. And it'll be Jesus. Jesus is what heaven's all about. And if you don't know Jesus, heaven's not your home. And, you know, I have the desire to live. I want to live in this world. I want to continue to serve the Lord. I want to continue to serve the church. I want to, I want to marry my grand, you know, do the wedding ceremony for my grandchildren. Uh, you know, I want to see how much prettier I get as I get older. You know, we, God gives us a desire to live. We know heaven's wonderful and this world's got its troubles, but yet we want to stay here. But that's all right. That's a God-given desire to stay here and to live in this world. But there will come a day when the attachment of this world will let itself go from our life. And we'll want to go to glory. And when you get to glory, you'll be brand new. Just think about this. Everything that a great God would want to prepare and to give to His children that is good, God has prepared for us in heaven. The important question is to all of us, are we sure we're going to heaven? Heaven cannot be earned. It cannot be deserved. Heaven is not given to us as a reward. Heaven is a free gift. Heaven is free. We'll be given rewards in heaven, but heaven's not a reward for being good or doing good or anything like that. That's what the world thinks. No. Heaven is a free gift, freely given to those who turn from their sin and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord.